it'll get where it needs to get to. Uh, and uh, if you have the physical card, you can just hold on to it. And then at the end of the service, on your way out, there'll be someone from the welcome team who will be collecting those connection cards, uh, as well as any physical offering that somebody might have. So uh, welcome to the Vineyard on Thanksgiving weekend. When I was setting up my fall kind of preaching calendar, what I figured we would do for this weekend is... Um, is take a break from The Chosen, because we've been doing our campaign where we've been uh, having our life groups and our Sunday sermons and daily devotionals all kind of doing a deep dive uh, into the life of Jesus through watching uh, and thinking about and talking about uh, the, the television show or the streaming show, The Chosen. Um, we took a week off from all of our groups, groups this week since it was Thanksgiving week, and I thought that I would probably do a, uh, a Thanksgiving message because it's important that we give thanks, and so it's usually good to talk about that on Thanksgiving weekend, but I actually rethought that because the last, the episode that we're watching for our next life group is episode seven, and so I preached on that last week, focusing on Nicodemus and John chapter three. We talked about uh, what the the conversation that included the phrase "You must be born again," and so we talked about what does it mean to be born again, not just for people who are new to this, but maybe for those of us who've been following Jesus for a while. What does it mean for us to be born again? And uh, and and so uh, episode seven featured the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, which you find in John chapter 3. But at the end of episode 7 is the calling of Matthew, right? That's when Jesus goes by Matthew, the tax collector, his booth, and says, come follow me. And Matthew has been a major character all throughout the, uh, the series. And so I thought, well, why don't we, why don't we take a moment and, and talk about the calling of Matthew? And so our theme verse for this whole series has been Isaiah 43, verse 1 which says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So, so we've been exploring through the Gospels and through the show, what does it mean to be chosen by Jesus? And so what Matthew is giving us an opportunity to explore today is what is our response to being chosen? And so we're all chosen, but then how do we respond to the invitation? So I have, a, I have a, a pastor friend of mine. His name is Chris. I've known him for a while. He pastors a vineyard church in Maryland. And he has a daughter. He's got a lot of kids. And one a daughter of his is an incredible softball player. She's like a prodigy. She's, she's been like a lights-out softball pitcher since she was like little. And uh, when she was in high school, you know, she would normally like have games where no one on the other team even put a bat on the ball. I like, couldn't even fall, you know, foul off a, a pitch. She would strike out everybody because she could get it to like 70 miles an hour, which is the equivalent of a major league baseball pitcher throwing 100 miles an hour. So like, you know, the kids would swing by the time the catcher is throwing the ball back to the pitcher. And, uh, and so it was crazy though. Chris would tell me about the journey. She was getting recruited by colleges when she was in junior high school. Like, they were aware of her in junior high school. And so then by the time she got to, you know, time to make a decision about a college, she was chosen by all of the top college, softball colleges in the nation, University of Florida, Arizona State, all of it. But now she had to accept an offer, right? So she was chosen, but she had to accept. And so she ended up going to the University of Maryland because you wanted to stay in her home state. And she's in the middle of, a, of an incredible uh, college pitching career. Um, but the point is she was chosen, but she had to accept the offer. 
And so Jesus chooses us. We are chosen by him. What are we going to do? How do we respond to that offer? And as I said, I think Matthew really demonstrates to us how we're supposed to respond. And so my first, my first point, um, uh, actually, hold on, I'll, let me back up a little bit. So, so let's talk about Matthew, um, also known as Levi. And, uh, and so, so I like to, when it comes to the chosen, and we're going to kind of dive into a character, I like to establish first what we know from the Bible about the person. And then, because what, what the chosen does is they, make some, they take some artistic license and they get a, a little creative and kind of fleshing out kind of behind the scenes a little bit. And so, so we know that Matthew was a tax collector. Actually, the Greek word for collector is closer to farmer than collector because the way the Romans would do things is they would take an area. They would take maybe, you know, the countryside or, or, or they would take a section of the city and they would take bids from tax collectors on that section. So somebody would be like, all right, well, I, I bid $100 or 100 denarius or whatever it was. And so then Matthew came and he said, I bid 110 and so what that meant was that Matthew was saying, I'm, I guarantee that whether a weekly basis, a monthly basis, however, that I'm going to give the Romans $110. I'm going to raise, I'm going to get $110 in tax money for the Romans. And then the tax collector could keep whatever they get above that. And so the reason tax collectors were so hated wasn't just because they were collaborating with the Romans, but they also were exploiting their people. They were strong-arming them. They were, getting as, they were bleeding them dry, getting as much as they possibly could get. And so we know that he was a tax collector. He wasn't a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus, but he was a, you know, he was a successful tax collector. We know, of course, <coughs> that Matthew was one of the 12 apostles one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Uh, we know some things, you know, that are, that are a little bit unique about Matthew from his gospel. We know that Matthew's gospel is the most detailed of all the gospels. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're known as the synoptic gospels because they, they retell a lot of the things that Jesus did. But whenever Matthew gives an account of something that's talked about in Mark or Luke, Matthew always gives more detail. Matthew also has a lot of, of uh, quotations from the Hebrew Scriptures. So he went very detailed into the prophecies in the Old Testament and how they're fulfilled in Jesus. And we also know, not from the Bible, but we know from early church fathers, particularly Irenaeus, who, who lived in the, just, just the next generation from the apostles, uh, that, uh, that, that Matthew went to Ethiopia basically after the book of Acts uh, and the, the disciples kind of went all over the world spreading the gospel. Matthew went to Ethiopia, and at around A.D. 60, he was killed by the sword. Uh, what Irenaeus says is that, is that he, it is preaching offended an Ethiopian king, and so the king was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you out. So, so that's what we know about Matthew, and, and the chosen made some interesting choices about Matthew. Uh, probably the most interesting is that they chose to place Matthew clearly on the, um, the Asperger's autism spectrum. And uh, when I first saw that, I was kind of like, hmm, I don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know why you went there. 
But there were reasons for doing it, right? One, one reason was that if you have someone who's a tax collector and is alienated from society, maybe someone who's on the spectrum, that wouldn't bother them quite as much because it's hard to kind of relate and connect, you know, with people. Uh, a lot of times people who are on the, on the spectrum are really gifted when it comes to math, which would work well for, for a tax collector. Uh, and... and um, the level of detail, you know, like they have a real, they oftentimes can have a real attention to detail. And maybe that, you know, thought, well, maybe that is kind of could be an explanation for Matthew's, uh, the detail in Matthew's gospel. So, so, uh, so um, I, I, I discovered that Dallas Jenkins, who's the creator of The Chosen, the writer, the creator, he has a daughter who's on the spectrum. So I think it was a very personal choice that he made. And, uh, and lots of people who were who are on the spectrum or who have children who are on the spectrum or, or loved ones in their family or friends have been greatly encouraged by this, just kind of reminded that, that hey, God can use all of us no matter, no matter where we're coming from. We're all chosen. We're all called. And, uh, and so we've seen Matthew up to this point, up to, up to episode 7, establish that he's alienated from his family, that he's hated by everyone, that it's hard for him to go out in public. Uh, he's protected. He's basically got like a Roman bodyguard. Uh, the, the, one of the things that Chosen does is imagines that maybe some of these characters knew each other before they got connected through Jesus. And so Matthew's kind of the, the personal tax collector for Peter and, and is the one that Peter has to deal with. So Peter really doesn't like him. And, and so we see that Matthew is increasingly intrigued by Jesus, right? So he's there when, uh, when Jesus calls Peter and the, the miraculous catch of fish, he sees that. Uh, he's present. We do know biblically that he was, he was probably present when, when the, uh, the paralyzed person we saw a couple weeks ago was lowered through the roof. So we, so we saw that, and he's really intrigued, and he's really wondering. And so if you want to open up your app and go to the, the outline, the, the, uh, the main points, as well as the Bible verses, my first point is very simply that Jesus saw Matthew and chose him to be one of his followers. Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it says, After this... And the after this is after the healing of the paralyzed person lowered through the roof. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now, um, I'm going to show a clip later on in the message. And one of the scenes that I included was a a powerful scene right after Jesus heals the paralytic where Jesus turns and he sees Matthew. And it's kind of almost like the Holy Spirit's telling him at that moment, this is one of your disciples. It's a powerful moment. You'll see it in a few minutes. But, uh, but I was just struck by, you know, the fact here that it says he saw Matthew. And I think it's really important for all of us to, remember, to be reminded that Jesus sees each and every one of us. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus sees you. Like he really sees you. He sees you when you feel alone and rejected. He sees you and he says, come to me and have life. He sees you when you're frustrated and you're discouraged. And he says, come to me and have life. He sees sees you when you're overwhelmed and you're afraid. And he says, come to me and have life. He sees you when you're happy. He sees you when you have like a joyous moment in your life. And he says, come to me and have a life that will last. Have a joy that isn't fleeting. Have a joy that will endure. He sees you exactly where you are. With all the hang-ups, all the flaws, all the inconsistencies, all the brokenness, all the sin, he sees you and he loves you no matter what, and he calls you to a better life. See, he saw Matthew, 
And Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was someone who was hated by his people with cause, with good reasons. But he, but he, saw, that, he saw Matthew and he called him. He sees us and he calls us. Now listen, the way that he calls us, it's not, you know, for us, it's not like he comes to our place of business and, uh, and physically, you know, calls us to follow him. But he calls us. And so, you know, think about your life and think about that moment when, when Jesus became personal to you, became real to you, where you sensed that he was calling you. How did that happen? How did he get your attention? How did Jesus' call, rather than just be something that's out there for everyone, be something that was personal to you, that you responded to? Because I know many of you have responded to that call. And so it was some way the Holy Spirit got your attention. Maybe there was just kind of a longing that was in your heart. You know, there was just some, some agitations that you had, and the Holy Spirit began just drawing you to himself. Maybe there was a dream. A lot of times we ignore our dreams, but, but God is all throughout the Bible, like he's constantly speaking to people through dreams. And so maybe there was a dream that really arrested your attention. Maybe you were reading the word of God or, or listening to a worship song or, or hearing a preacher or something where all of a sudden it, it, it became real to you. It came alive and Jesus in that moment was calling you. You know, for me, I was thinking about when I was 17 and when I responded to the call, when the call really felt personal. And what God did for me is in very short succession, he sent three people across my path. One guy was at a gym, another guy, I've told the story before about I'm in the woods. I was in the woods smoking a cigarette, which is kind of weird. So I was at the gym, but I was also in the woods smoking a cigarette. I was a very confused 17-year-old. That's another story. Uh, I, was, I was in the woods by my house, and some like random like Jesus hippie dude came up and started talking to me. And then there was a third person, like in, very, in a very like, uh, short period of time, that random people I didn't know came up to me and were talking to me about Jesus. And, and, and it was one of the ways that God was calling me. That God, was, that God was getting my attention. And so just like Matthew, you were called, you were chosen to follow Jesus. Jesus is still calling people today. And my second point is this, because what's so amazing about Matthew, and what we want to talk about and really kind of drill into this morning, is that Matthew accepts immediately and completely. Immediately and completely. Leave, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 28 to 29. And Levi got up. So Jesus walked by and he said, come follow me. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So Matthew responds immediately. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't say, let me think about this. Let me weigh the pros and cons. He leaves everything behind. He leaves the money behind. He leaves the luxury behind. He leaves the Roman protection behind. He leaves it all behind, and he immediately follows Jesus. Not only does he immediately follow Jesus, he immediately goes on mission for Jesus. Because the first thing that he wants to do is he says, hey, listen, if Jesus is going to call someone like me, and there's hope for someone like me, maybe there's hope for some of my friends. So I want to get my friends together, and I want them to hear from Jesus, and I want to see what's going to happen when I put them in a room with Jesus. And so we see that Matthew's response was complete. It was immediate. It was wholehearted. Now here's the thing. I know that maybe for some of you, you might feel that Christianity isn't really working out all that great for you. 
You hear me talking about life and joy and peace, and we sing songs about life, joy, peace, hope, all the stuff, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. It's not really like that for me. It's not as powerful. It's not as transformative. Maybe the problem is, is that you haven't responded the way Matthew responded. Maybe the problem is, is that you're just kind of going through the motions, that you haven't left all to follow him, that you're still kind of holding back. I, uh, from time to time, I will go to a buffet restaurant. I don't go to, if I went to buffet restaurants a lot, I'd weigh about 300 pounds. But, uh, but I go occasionally to a buffet restaurant. So when I go to a buffet restaurant, I'm not going to eat healthy, right? I'm just going to eat the food that I like, right? And so, so there's this one buffet restaurant I go to. They've got this, like, meat carving station. So they got ribs, and they've got, you know, all different cuts of meat. So I'll go there. I'll be like, oh, I want to, yeah, let's, I'll go there first. So let's, let's get some of this. No offense, vegans, but uh, we can still be friends. You know, this is, this is what I want. And then they've got a really great sushi spread. So I'll go. I'll get some sushi. Then they've got this area with Chinese food. I'll get some, get some fried rice. And then they've got, like, I mean, you know, comfort food, macaroni and cheese, good stuff. So I go, and I get what I want from the buffet. Now, here's the one thing that you'll never find at my, on my plate when I'm at a buffet restaurant. You will not find broccoli. You probably won't find anything that's green. Now, I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of salads. I want to be a good example. But, but when I'm at a buffet, I'm just kind of taking what I want. And I think the problem that maybe some of you might be experiencing in your life with Jesus is that you're a buffet restaurant Christian. You're following Jesus buffet style, and that's not really an option. Mark 8.35 says, Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And I think buffet style Christianity is you trying to still save your life. You're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll follow Jesus a little bit here, but, but I, wanted, I wanted to be on my terms, and I like this but I don't like that. I'll take this, but I, but I don't want that. And Jesus makes it really clear that Christianity doesn't work that way. Imagine if when Jesus walked by Matthew's booth and said, come follow me, Matthew said, that's a really interesting proposition. I think that could add some value to my life. So yeah, that sounds good, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my tax collecting booth. I want to continue to live in my house because i got a really comfortable bed. And so I want to continue to sleep in my really comfortable bed. And I kind of like having this Roman bodyguard. So I'm just going to, why did Jesus, let's do it this way. Let me know where you are on the weekend. And, you know, occasionally when it fits into my schedule, I'll, I'll find out where you are and I'll, I'll meet up with you and that'll all be cool. I mean, of, of course, you know, we, if that was Matthew's response, we wouldn't be talking about him here 2,000 years later, right? Jesus, he made it so clear. Luke 14, he said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. I mean, that's, those, are, those are strong words from Jesus, right? If you don't give up everything that you have, you can't be my disciple. And, and my experience just going along with what Jesus said is that if you, if you want the joy, if you want the purpose, if you want the strength, if you want the hope, the way, where it comes from is it comes from that full surrender. It comes from giving up everything. And so let me, let me ask you this morning, with Matthew as an example, what is it that you're holding back? 
What are you holding back in your following of Jesus? Where have you said, all right, Jesus, I'll follow you, but it's going to be on my terms. I'm going to go this far, but no further. You know, you take something like baptism, right? So baptism, we're commanded to be baptized. We had a wonderful baptism service a couple, you know, about six, seven weeks ago, two months ago. We're going to have another one next month. And, uh, and so you'll be hearing about it. We'll, we'll start, you know, giving you opportunities to sign up at some point in January. You know, we'll, we'll have the baptism service in January. But maybe you're just like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, that's just like everyone's going to be looking at me and I'm going to get wet. And that's just, no, that's not something I'm interested in doing. So you kind of, you hold back, right? Maybe it has to do with being a servant, right? Jesus said that the, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. And that no one is greater than their master. So what that means is, we're called to serve. Serving is supposed to be part of our lifestyle. So maybe what you need to do, something that you're holding back, is you're like, yeah, you know, I'm glad that people are out helping with the food bank, and I'm glad that there's so many people helping with the service right now, but, but I, I'm too busy right now. I can't do that. So maybe that's something that you're holding back. Maybe it has to do with money. See, Jesus makes it really clear that the Old Testament, New Testament, that if we want God to really to be providing for us and caring for us and knowing that he can, he can call, you know, bless us abundantly according to his riches in Christ Jesus, that there's an act of faith on our part where we give God the first 10%, and then God says, I'm going to step in and I'm going I'm to take responsibility for the whole thing. I'm going to take responsibility for your life, but maybe you're holding that back, right? Maybe it has to do with, with being a witness for Jesus, Right? We're called to be his witnesses. I always say, because we get hung up, we get confused. He doesn't call us to be his lawyers, right? We're not called to argue with people and convince them. Just be a witness. Just say, hey, here's what Jesus has done for me. Here's how Jesus healed my marriage. Here's how Jesus gives me purpose. Here's how Jesus helped me through a hard time. But you know what? It's kind of hard these days because there's a lot of people who don't like Christians, right? Maybe, maybe you're kind of holding that back. You're not really being, maybe you've got some friends, like you're, you're like one way with your Jesus friends and another way with your not-so-Jesus friends. And maybe it's time that you just say, hey, I'm called to be a witness. I was at a, I was at a comedy club on Friday night. My son just, you know, blessed, my family was all in from all over the world, literally. And uh, so, so treated us to a night at the comedy cellar, and it was really fun. And, uh, but I was, I was really struck. It was funny. Like, two of the comedians were so anti-God, like, really out there. Like, at one point, one person was like, does anyone here, you know, this is like crowded, you know, comedy cellar, does anyone here believe in God? Do you still believe in God? You know, and he's like, clap if you believe in God. So I'm like, you know, and so there's a couple of people clapping, and he's like, yeah, no, that's not a lot of you. That's like a golf clap. God needs, you know, I don't know, God's not doing so well these days. And, and it didn't offend me, you know, it, it just because that's where a lot of people are at. But that's the culture we live in. So maybe, you know what, maybe that's, some, that's an area of, of kind of staying behind the, the tax collecting. You're just like, I don't want to put myself out there. I don't know what people will think. Maybe it has to do with your sex life. Listen, I don't know. Can I get real here on, uh, on Thanksgiving weekend? <laughs> but uh, the Bible makes it very clear. Like Old Testament, New Testament, the way, Christ, the way it's been understood for thousands of years is that sex is a wonderful gift that God has given, but his intention is it's for a man and a woman in marriage. That's where it belongs. The people of God have always understood premarital sex is out of bounds. That's, that's abusing the gift that God has given us. But you might be like, yeah, I don't know. It's 2021. 
I mean, I don't know if that's really going to work. People are going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm some kind of like Amish person from the 1700s or something. I don't know about that. Or, or you might rationalize and say, well, you know, I think we're going to get married someday. But maybe that's a way that you're, you're staying behind the tax collecting booth. Maybe it has to do with your business. That you just think like, hey, man, the industry that I'm in, I've got to obfuscate the facts here a little bit. You know what I mean? I've I, I got to kind of cut some corners. I can't, there's no way that the business model is going to work if I'm completely honest. Because I've got to swim with the sharks. And, and I don't, you know, so I'm going to be, you know, I kind of got to put my Christianity on hold when I'm working. Maybe it's a relationship that, uh, that's broken. And that person maybe really hurt you, did some messed up things. But you're a follower of Jesus, so, so the responsibility is on you to go and to try to bring about reconciliation and maybe apologize. One of those things, don't you? I mean, this always happens where, you know, you feel like somebody's wronged you 90% and you've wronged them like 10%. And so then you go to them and you apologize for your, for your like 10% and they're like, okay, all right, good. And you're like, and they're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. just, you know, but that's part, you know, just, it's hard, but that's what we're called to do. And maybe it's not like necessarily like one specific thing, but maybe it has to do with like your life big picture. Let me ask you, are you all in following Jesus? Have you surrendered all to him, left everything to follow him? Because Jesus said, he didn't say it's harder to be my disciple if you don't go all in. He said, you can't be my disciple if you don't lose everything to follow me. So, so maybe you just even think like big picture of your life. You've never really surrendered. You've not gotten off the throne of your heart. You, you've let Jesus in but you haven't given up the throne. And so maybe it's time for you to give up the throne. And I wonder if there might be some people that I'm talking to, and this isn't my notes. I felt the Lord kind of prompt me with this at nine o'clock. But maybe there's been some really painful things in your life. Maybe there's been some hard things. And maybe what God wants to do through the hard thing that you're dealing with right now is just kind of shine a light on an area of your life that you haven't surrendered yet. And so God is saying, I want you to listen, this is painful, this hurts, but give it to me and I'll make it better. Give it to me and I'll bring healing. Give it to me and I'll bring some, some protection. So we're called to surrender everything to him. And then here's my last point. This is why it's so important. Because you can't have resurrection life without a death. You can't have resurrection life without a death. So let me show you the clip that I got for you today. And I was telling somebody, somebody was telling me after the nine o'clock service, this has, been, this has been so great. I've loved this series. And I said, you know, in a couple of weeks, I got one more week, we're doing The Chosen. Can I just say, I'm going to so miss, like I, I love being able to like, you know, start my sermon, lay the groundwork, make the point, and then show a clip from The Chosen that's going to make you cry and make, you know, just get you fully engaged and then come back in and kind of do the conclusion. I'm going to miss that. Um, but uh, the clip that I have today, uh, a couple different things. One, I, I put in, I put in the, the, the moment because I just thought it was powerful uh, when Jesus, after he heals the paralytic, he like makes icon, he sees Matthew. And there's this moment that's really powerful. Then I put in a few moments of a conversation that he has with his mother, who he's estranged from, but he's trying to, you know, figure out his life and figure out what's going on. And then, of course, uh, the, the final part is, is the moment that Jesus walks by his tax collector booth and calls him to follow him. So let's watch.
Everything's like sand. They flood. The things I thought I knew to be true. Are you in trouble? Do you think that impossible things can happen? That overturn the laws of nature? That cannot be explained. That is what people asked when you were a boy. Even the rabbis were astonished at your talent for reading, math, the way you could think faster than any other child. They thought you would be someone great. Great at what? I'm rich. I have an armed escort. I'm trusted by the Praetor of we Galilee. We never dreamed you would use the talent God gave you to bleed your people dry. But have you ever seen anything miraculous? Like you. My whole world. Everything I thought I knew. What if it's wrong? I think you should go. Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. You can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. All right. See, I'm going to miss this. I got to say, I'm going to miss it. Um, so uh, the reason, you know, I wanted to do The Chosen, I don't know if, I don't know if you've realized by now, but I'm kind of a fan, right? And, uh, and so when, when I was explaining to people and saying, let's do our campaign around The Chosen, 
What I said is I just want as many people as possible in the church to watch this because I think that seeing Jesus depicted this way is just going to make you love Jesus more and just want you to stay as close to him as you can be because it just does such an incredible job of just showing his, his grace and his wisdom and his kindness and his mercy and his strength. And uh, it, it's, it just, it's just powerful. Um, Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they have, may have life and have it to the full. See, if you're going to leave everything, right? If you're going to leave your tax collecting booth behind and follow him just like immediately, you need to know that Jesus came so that you can have life and so that you can have it to the full. That's what he's offering us. We get to go from death to life. We get to go, as it says in Corinthians, from glory to glory. Now, here, here's the reality, right? If we're, if we're separated from Jesus, if we're not connected to Jesus, we're not going from glory to glory. We're actually, we're going from life to death, kind of little by little by little. We're in a constant state of deterioration. I don't want to, you know, be a bummer here for you, but we all right now at this moment, we are currently breaking down little by little on a cellular level as we're going from life to death. And I heard somebody, I heard a, a, somebody talking recently who, who defined this time that we live in as the age of self. And I thought, man, I think that's really true. That we're, you know, people have always been selfish, but there's something about this age, this time right now where it almost seems like selfishness is increasing, self-focus is increasing. Bible says that at the end times, that one of the things that will signify that Jesus is getting close to when Jesus is going to come back is that people will be lovers of themselves, that selfishness will increase. I don't know if we're in the end times or not. I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but I don't know. But it does seem that it's true that we're in this age of self, that there's a lot of uh, self-preservation that's going on. Right? It's just kind of normal. It's like, hey, man, you come at me, I'm going to come at you twice as hard. You cut me off on the road, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the next three miles six inches off your bumper. You know, it's like, or, or people will say things like, I just have to, this, this season for, it's just all about self-care, and, and I, just, I just have to worry about me. And that just seems to be like normal. That's kind of just like what people do. There's also a lot of self-promotion that goes on. Right? We've got to put ourselves out there. We got to make sure that we're like presented in a way. We got to kind of curate our image. And you can do that maybe through a dating app or, or do that through social media. There's all sorts of ways that, that we just want to make sure that, that we're, we're promoting ourselves. There's a lot of self promotion, there's a lot of self indulgence, right? We want the good life. And the internet tells us all the wonderful things that are available. So we want all the good things that we, that we can possibly have. And we don't only indulge, we overindulge. See, Freud uh, said he, he believed that the goal of life was pleasure. And so we bought into that lie. But the goal of life is not pleasure. The goal of life is purpose. And we find purpose by leaving everything and following Jesus. That's, where li that's what life is really all about. Our culture is lying to us. Our culture is lying to us, and we should know that our culture is lying to us, that self-preservation and self-promotion and self-indulgent isn't the way to abundant life because we've all tried it. 
We've all tried it, and we know that it doesn't fulfill. It doesn't give us what it, what it promises to give us. And Jesus makes it really clear that following him is going to cost us. Yes, salvation is free. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But as we follow him, it's going to cost us everything. Jesus said this, Luke 9, 23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And so we hear cross and we think pretty jewelry. We think something nice on a church building. But when, when Jesus said this, this was offensive. This was hard because they thought cross. They said that thing that they would see on the side of the road when people were being executed and they knew that it was bloody and that it was painful and that it was hard. And Jesus said, you can't be my disciple if you don't take up your cross and follow me. And so I just want to ask you, with Matthew's example, have we gone all in? Have we said, like we sing that song, all to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. I remember the very first verse that I memorized when I was, when I was 17 and I gave my life to Jesus. It was Galatians 2.20. And Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so can you say that? I have been crucified with Jesus. I have left all. I have left my life as a tax collector. I have surrendered all. I've burned the bridges. I'm all in. I'm going to follow Jesus because I know that Jesus is the one who gives abundant life. I know that Jesus is the one who's going to give me what I need for this life to make sense. I know he's the one who's going to give me the strength I need on a daily basis, the hope I need on a daily basis, the forgiveness and mercy I need on a daily basis. And I know that as I follow him, that that this life is going to make sense and that it's all going to work because I know that he's gone to prepare a place for me in his father's house. And so I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to self-preserve. I don't have to self-promote. I don't have to give myself to indulgences because I'm following Jesus. I'm following the one, the author of life who gives abundant life. Let me end with this. This is a great quote by C.S. Lewis. And I think all the quotes by C.S. Lewis are great quotes, but here's a really great one. He says, the principle, the principle runs through all of life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, you have invited all of us to follow you. Lord, you see us, you know us, and you love us. 
And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us right now. Lord, is there something that we're holding on to? Is there something right now in this moment that you are saying, let it go? Something that we think is going to save our life or preserve our life. But you're saying, no, 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 you've got, this has to die. If you're going to see life, if you're going to see resurrection, you need to trust me. And maybe for some of you right now, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a relationship you've been holding on to and you know that Jesus is saying, let this go, surrender it. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's something. There's something that you've, you're like, I, I, can't, I can't get by without this. And Jesus is saying, I want you to die. I want you to let it go. And so, Lord God, I just pray that you would speak to us right now. Lord, we want to follow you. God, we want to be all in. We want to come to everything that you have. Lord, we want to, Lord, leave everything and follow you. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts to you right now. God, we say yes to you right now. And maybe there's some of you, if you're just really honest, you have not gotten off the throne of your life to let Jesus rule and reign. You're still calling the shots. It's still, it's Christianity on your terms. It's buffet-style Christianity. And right now, Jesus is inviting you to something better. He's inviting you to something better. And just in your heart, say yes. And maybe you're here right now and you haven't, you've, you've never prayed to receive Jesus. You haven't had that born again moment. And maybe God is speaking to you right now. And if he is, I want you to respond. He's calling you right now. And so you need to respond to that call. And the way that you respond right now, what you need to do is pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it in your heart. It's between you and God. But something like, Lord Jesus, I hear your call and I want to follow you. And so I surrender everything to you. I give you my life. I accept your free gift of salvation. I believe you died on the cross in my place and you rose again from the dead. And so please forgive all my sins. Make me new. Wash me clean. Give me your Holy Spirit. And from here on out, I'm going to follow you because you are the one who has life. And just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just do me a favor, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you have uh, your connection card in front of you, you can check off that you decided to become a follower of Jesus. If you use the app, what you can do is text FOLLOW to 201 584-7188 and uh, we'll reach out to you this week I'll send you an email we'll send you some stuff in the mail just things that can kind of help you as you're taking these initial steps of following Jesus we're going to close the service we've got people people from the prayer team are going to make their way over to my right so if you guys on the prayer team can kind of get over there and get ready to pray for people and we just want to pray for you whatever whatever's going on in your life wherever you need God to step in and uh, and bring his resurrection power in your life come and get some prayer maybe it's for healing maybe you know there's just stuff relationally that's going on in your life or maybe there's something that the holy spirit has been putting his finger on today saying 
You need to surrender this. You need, you're holding on to this. And don't leave here this morning still holding on to it. Lay it down at my feet. Let somebody pray with you. Because the Bible says we're two or three gathered to pray. There I am in the midst. So there's something powerful that happens with that. All right, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. And I will see you soon.